AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. So every year around this time we talk about predictions. Uh, thought we'd have a little discussion about the predictions you guys, uh, I know John you were on last year's prediction show. I think Matt, you were on as well. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about your predictions and you know how what came true and what was maybe we were a little bit off the mark. So uh, the first prediction was from our our VP Brian Rexroad, who uh, predicted that we would see a struggle going into the cloud. So struggle transitioning things more load into the public cloud. Um, what do you guys think? It seems to me that that's. It's been fairly accurate. You know, we've seen a lot of you know open S3 buckets that have been compromised. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, actually, I feel like we're seeing a flood of new vendor products, specifically trying to uh, secure the public cloud as we kind of acknowledge that the public cloud is not as secure as probably we'd like it to be. So, uh, what do you think, Matt? Sure, I think that the the paradigm of working in the cloud is significantly different from working on you know any other IT operation. It's much more powerful and it's very interesting to be able to work in that way, uh, but it means that people have to sort of spin up their skills and understand how that works and understand the way that they're configuring things. Right. Uh, S3 buckets have been a problem for a while. I'm pretty sure Amazon is working on setting the defaults for S3 and coming up with all sorts of other ways to monitor what you've got in your configuration to tell you, by the way, you've done something you probably didn't want to do. Right. And that's a good move. And again, again, not everyone's using S3 and not everyone's using Amazon. Right. Um, and there's definitely, we keep seeing problems where people have misconfigured their cloud storage, or perhaps they've left some sort of credentials in like a GitHub repository, and those credentials control their cloud, which means people can spit up new instances and install crypto mining malware and things like that. So I, yeah. think, I think the short version of that is, yes, I think Brian was absolutely correct. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's another one of these cases where it feels like you're losing a little bit of control, right? You put your stuff out in one of these public clouds, and you know, I think some some folks think, okay, it's not my responsibility anymore, but mm. you know, it is. You need to, you know, all the, the precautions we talk about in you know data centers and in on laptops and on mobile, uh, you still need to protect your stuff. You need to make sure you know you're thinking through all the cases of you know leaving stuff in the clear and, and really what what's going into sort of putting a nice you know secure, comfortable blanket on your stuff. I was going to say, the, the, the human factors there are still kind of a challenge that people forget about when they go to the cloud is that, you know, the things like you were talking about, you know, admin passwords being left alone, you know, GitHub repositories. I mean, we don't have a lot of good logging still, which was we were hoping for, <laughs> you know, and so so tracking that type of thing is, is still not, you know, resolved, but we're trying to get more and more stuff into the cloud. Right. I think one of the things is that's important about this is that the folks who have been doing the IT function are the ones who are moving things into the cloud. And if you've been doing standard IT in a, like a, a corporate environment, you've got an IT team, you've got a security team. Right. IT sort of makes the assumption that security is being done somewhere separately from what they're doing, and then whatever they may, may, may make small mistakes, that'll be covered by the guys who are doing security. Whereas in cloud, it seems like everything is much more integrated. And if you have a team, that can do the security for your cloud, great. Right. Uh, but I think a lot of folks are moving to the cloud and telling the IT team to handle the function. And those same, that same mindset is going in. So you're going to have people who aren't making this, the, the right decisions security-wise because they assume that the cloud provider is doing those things for them. Right. And that's one of those things. 
that's the biggest thing. They assume that the cloud provider is doing it. Right, and, and when you move to the cloud, you have to understand where the line is drawn. What is your responsibility as a customer of a cloud provider, and what are the responsibilities of the person managing the platform? Right. And if you don't have that line correctly, you're going to have gaps. Right, cool. So I think typically we give these these predictions a letter grade. You think this one is a is an A or a B I think plus? it's a solid A. Solid A. I'm I'm good with that. All right. The next prediction I think came from Matt, and you predicted that we would see a uh, increase in complexity of IoT malware and vulnerabilities and exploits. Right. Uh, how do you think you know? Well, you did. There's, there's different ways to measure this, and I'm, I'm starting like that because I know you guys are going to give me a bad <laughs> on this. Um, I did take a look at the scanning results uh, for Telnet, which for the longest time was my barometer of, are people still scanning for really poorly configured IoT devices that have Telnet open with a default password? That's like bottom of the barrel. If you can do that, you can build your own botnet kind right. of stuff. And the scanning has gone down. And the number of flows has definitely gone down. The number of sources has not significantly changed, uh, but at least the more the the, the weight that that scanning has been given among these large botnets has gone down. So I think people who are running the larger IoT botnets uh, have sort of shifted their focus to other um, populations of targets because they're not getting as much value out of breaking into Telnet anymore. Um, whether you want to use them as the, because yeah. that's maybe a handful of people controlling right. a large number of bots, but it doesn't mean that the activity at large has shifted focus. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I would say if you predicted that IoT, you know, scanning and vulnerabilities was going to be was going to decrease, I think you <laughs> would have been right. wrong. Mm -hmm. But you know, certainly, this is still probably our number one threat vector, right? I mean, this, you know, we see it on the internet weather every show that it's the top. I think it's probably going to be the top till we stop stop running the show. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, then the question of complexity, right? Where where do you think in terms of the complexity of these? Well, I think we're seeing different applications of the bots that are being generated through this IoT exploitation activity. I mean, we are talking before the show, we, we, you know, Mirai and, um, and Hajime are two big botnets that we're seeing different functions being built into those. We're seeing VPN filter. Yeah. Um, we're seeing these things used for sending spam as, as proxy hop points. Right. Um, it seems like the stuff that you would usually use your, your Windows bots for, those functions are being handed over to the IoT bots as well. So we're seeing right. more diversification, I guess, in what you're doing with your bots. That wasn't quite what my prediction was about. It was more about the, the actual attacking and the low-hanging fruit attacks slowly going away in favor of more advanced and sophisticated stuff. Right. I think we talked about this a little bit last time, is that with Mirai being released and open, mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing variants of Mirai, you know, variants of the same malware because it's just it's it's readily accessible. So mm -hmm. you know, maybe you don't need complex you know fileless stuff anymore yeah. or, or as as much because you know Mirai's there. You tweak it for what you're specifically trying to do, and just use whatever threat vector you want. So yeah, yeah. I, I think though too, you 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 have you know your 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 metric there was Telnet, and you know we're seeing a lot of. You know, from what I've seen is the using other ports, other services. I mean, you know, we see like even the Android port service, which has been made, you know, made, been made a, a pretty high number there in the, the the weather. You know, a lot of these IoTs are running Android variants, and so when you start scanning and attacking that functionality, then you know it is still an IoT uh, you know type of uh, mechanism. That's true. Okay. Yeah. 
So uh, let's do a grade for the uh, IoT complexity prediction. I'll say maybe B minus, John? That's generous. I was going to be a little bit better. I, I'm going I'm, I'm to give him a solid B. Solid B. I'm happy with that. You know, Matt's an excellent contributor to the show. I think we should err on the side of positivity. He deserves it. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, and then John, you, uh, you're on the show as well. Uh, you want to run through your predictions and, and give an initial take on how you think your prediction played out? I think, I think that, you know, last year I, I kind of did my predictions in the series of a quiz, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on, on really just the one uh, at this time, which is the uh, prediction that we would have, uh, you know, and really a continuation of a deficit in security uh, professionals, cybersecurity professionals. Um, there's been... A recent study, in fact, uh, getting some publication out there that says, you know, that we need to look at cybersecurity professionals, not necessarily based on uh, education or experience, but looking for certain traits, you know, because we are, we're at that large enough gap that we can't just say, go to school, get a cybersecurity degree, because we're not going to get the resources that way. So, so I think that that, you know, that, that, Personally, I think that that prediction, you know, may be a little self-serving, but it's coming true. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think an, an under, you know, amount of, of security resources, something that we hear. I mean, when I'm, you know, at technical conferences, it's a pretty consistent message. You know, security analysts, uh, security developers, really the, the lack of, of bodies, the turnover is really fast. and. Um, definitely, hopefully, with some of these initiatives, you know, um, getting young people to be interested in coding and young people interested in security, hopefully that will help over time. But I think in our current state, there is definitely a gap in the amount of folks qualified in this field and um, the amount of people that are needed to secure stuff. I'm going to go out on a wing. I'm going to say that your prediction from last year is a cop-out. And here's why. Because you gave us one year one year to try and fix that problem, yeah. and any measurable change in that would have taken longer than a year. It was, so. a, it was a smart prediction, let's <laughs> say that, at the very least. You're a betting man, I can tell, right? All right. You want to grade John, Matt? I, I, I about last year, too, so I'll, 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 <laughs> if I remember right, so yeah, it's true. Uh, so, so a grade, he was absolutely correct. But do you want to... Do I want to take off it? points because I think it was a, a cheap <laughs> move? a safe bet? Uh, no. No, he's no. technically correct, but I'm keeping my eye on him for next year. Right. He puts it down again as his prediction. All right. So no reuse, John. you got to push the envelope. I'll give myself a C. I mean, it was, it was easy. You know, it was an easy grade, right? <laughs> well, I think we'll meet you in the middle. We'll give you about an A-. There you go. Yeah, I like you, that. With a little qualification for ease of, of prediction. Cool. All right. So uh, next, I think we're going to go through some trends, some things you know that we've noticed in 2018 uh, changes or um, you know persistent or significant activity. Uh, Matt, did you want to start us off with your your noticeable trend for the year? Yeah. So I'm actually going to do two trends. So the first one is these Magecart attacks, which people have probably heard a lot about. Uh, so if you're not familiar with them, Magecart is a name that's been given to a set of attacks. Um, which may be actually more than one group, but the technique is the same in which they're actually compromising e-commerce websites and injecting a little bit of JavaScript into them. And once that JavaScript is on that site, uh, it's actually siphoning user data out of the site as people use the site. Um, 
I've seen this grow you know, over the year. I think this is a pretty interesting attack vector. It has hit some major retail websites on the internet, so I, I see that there's no reason this, this trend should you know, slow down. If it works, it works, and I think attackers are going to keep using it. Typically affects Magenta, which is software that it makes it very easy to run a storefront on the internet. Uh, but there's no reason that this, this attack couldn't be modified to affect other e-commerce websites as well. In fact, it could be tailored to any one site. As long as you have the means of modifying their website, you can sneak your code in, and it may not be noticed for a very long time. Cool. Uh, so the second one I'm going to talk about is the, I want to call it supply chain, um, yeah. but it has more to do with trusting the software that you're using that's sort of open source. For me, one of the big ones was there was this um, event stream yeah. code that I think we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago. It's a Node.js module that is very well widely used. And the person who was maintaining this open source code decided they were done maintaining it, they had had enough, and they handed it off to somebody else. Right. And this somebody else slowly snuck in a back door into the code. It was you know, targeted towards a very specific target that they had in mind but the code was sent to anybody using it. So in theory, this could have been a much more wide-ranging attack. Right. Um, so this sort of idea that of, speaks to a trend in terms of sort of trust in general? Uh, I think, I don't know if it's really a trend. I think it's more a realization by attackers that this is a viable model. Okay. I mean, another example of it would be these browser plugins. People maintain a browser plugin for a while, and then someone comes and says, yeah. for a certain amount of money, I'll take it off your hands, and I'll run it from here on out. And there's not a whole lot of money in browser plugins, so I can see why people would be tempted to take the money and, and leave it. But the person who maintains it then has the power to update that plugin. And anytime someone needs you know, right. this browser plugin, uh, their browser will pull down the latest version if that's part of the functionality. And whatever gets added to that, and it has happened, yeah. it could be adware, it could be spyware, it could be all number of things, which then runs in the context of your browser, which then offers it more access to stuff in your. And it's the same way you could do. Um, the same way like a, a banking Trojan would have access if it runs from a, that, right, right. that perspective, that the plugins have that same kind of access. John, do you see a parallel there with um, malicious apps in mobile app stores where sometimes they're planted on purpose? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no question. And, you know, we've, we've seen a number of these and, and you know, just the, the fact that, you know, there, there's a difference sometimes about intentional maliciousness, you know, where it's, it's intended to like to overtake the machine and just, oh, I'm going to do this service for you, and in the interim, you know, push this button or click this thing to help me, you know, to, you know, you need extra permissions or whatever. And so, I, yeah, there's definitely a parallel. Cool. I want to make an important distinction, though, is okay. that the, with a malicious app that makes its way into the store, people are going to have to look at that, assess it on the, at first value, and then make the decision to install it or not. Right. In the cases yeah. where we're talking about these modules and these browser plugins, someone's already made that decision, That's and true. it could have been a month, it could have been years ago. It's just that the, the math has changed in the background, and they have no idea that somebody else is operating this and maintaining this code at this point. Yeah, I guess it would be more like if an update to one of those apps had a Exactly. A like if somebody door. managed to buy out the owner of a, an Android app right. and then snuck their, their own code into the next update of that, I think that's the same model. Okay. Cool. So anyway, I think it, it, it sort of suggests that vigilance doesn't end you know, once you've made your initial decision to install some piece of software. And the folks who are developing it really should be keeping tabs on what's happening to their code. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it's something that gets better or worse over time, You know, this sort of unintended consequence of open source. Cool. Thanks, Matt. 
Uh, John, do you want to do your trends or trend f that you notice f next for 2018? Yeah, I, th I think I'll, I'll talk. I just talk one thing that I that I, you know, actually meets a couple of the predictions from last year. So I should have used those for the grade, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the Spectre and Meltdown uh, saga over 2018 uh, continues even today. I noticed that there's a Spectre uh, with Split Spectre. I think is what they're calling it as a new new attack. And, you know, these are the uh, variations on a mechanism to get into the CPU, into the CPU calls. Um, you know, we're continuing to see the, the researchers look at these things, try and figure out all these in-depth and, and, and tags, even some into what you're talking about, Matt, is into that low-level basic core, you know, processing, try and find the weaknesses, the vulnerabilities, some of which have gone on for a, a number of years. And uh, I think that we're, you know, we're going to continue to see those low-level uh, attacks and, and, and vectors like Spectre and Meltdown continue, uh, you know, for some time now. Yeah, Spectre and Meltdown certainly were prominent, you know, campaigns, activities that we saw this year, I think, you know. Well, we never actually saw anyone using these bugs in the wild, right? That's the key. Yeah, that's exactly the right the right thing is is that they're, they're getting a lot of publicity, but really, you know, what's the risk? Mm-hmm. Was there another one or two you wanted to bring up? It sounded like you had a list. Well, I, I, I think the other, the only other thing I was going to bring up is, is that, you know, it, it kind of ties into that, that we have, uh, you know, we predicted that there'd be some more protocol vulnerabilities in 2018. Again, it's the, probably the cheap, the cheap uh, prediction. I mean, you know, but Spectre Meltdown fit that in some ways. We continue to see attacks against Bluetooth, you know, looking at that deep dive protocol issues. And uh, that... I, it, for 2018 was probably pretty significant, even in the mobile space, not just the desktop, laptop, server, and that, you know, people are starting to really dive into those protocols, you know, more so than they ever have. You know, we've seen that with TLS, SSL, SSH, you know, I, I think we're going to continue to see that even into the, in the next time. I know we're not doing predictions here, but it is certainly a, a story that hit 2018 pretty hard. All right, well, something I've been thinking about is, you know, I think 2017, you know, last last year was really a, a, a emphasis on ransomware. You know, we had the NotPetya and those types of activities. And I think, I don't think we've seen quite as much of that this year. You know, we've seen some targeted ransomware. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think really the focus from a high level has been more, um, you know, this crypto mining or even targeted um, going after crypto wallets, right? Which I think the term is crypto jacking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a new trend. I think we're probably, you know, we're, crypto mining is probably where we are now, where IoT threats were, you know, three, five years ago, that I think crypto mining is probably only gonna get worse moving forward. But it seems like that's been a real trend that, you know, ransomware where you're going after, you know, some handful of Bitcoins, yeah, that's, that's, you know, seem to be working, but if I can, you know, put all my botnet resources out doing crypto mining, although I guess crypto mining is getting more difficult now, right? Isn't well, that? It depends on which, which cryptocurrency you plan to right. mine. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, that seems like a, a fairly significant trend and, you know, seem, it feels like we're seeing more phishing, targeted phishing, um, just a little bit of a shift. I know we don't see uh, rampant shifts in the threat vectors as we see in the internet weather. It's basically the same, you know, 10, 12 uh, ports that we see being scanned uh, consistently. I think that's another trend that we're seeing that, you know, 
the volume of, of scanning for these same ports, the same vulnerabilities, uh, it's probably created more stability in that, in that um, you know, the search for, for exploit places to put your exploit so um. you give me a couple of things to think about there uh, I think really the, the the reason that we see so much so little so few tectonic like shifts in the scanning that we're seeing is because the big players are such huge botnets at this point that right. you know, any one of them would have to make the move for the overall stats to change so I can see that being we still see some new vulnerabilities or at least ones that someone has discovered and they'll suddenly spike up but they're not gonna jump into the top 10 as a result of it right um, I was thinking about the, the prediction that Brian had made in terms of moving to cloud. Yeah. And I think there's a similar shift moving to the containerization technologies, yeah. Docker, Kubernetes, Kubernetes, all this sort of stuff. And I, see, I think we've seen some interesting stuff in the last year where people are finding ways to like install their crypto mining malware into a Docker container and then drop it onto some you know, management platform and then spin up 80 Docker containers because right. no one's bothered to put a password on it or no one's bothered to, to harden it properly. I think that's going to be the new wave of, of those sorts of attacks. If people are starting to figure out cloud, any of this, this new containerization stuff, I think, is going to be the next move. Right. It's a trend. You know, the, <clears> same, <throat> the same journey we're making in software development, getting our things into cloud, getting our things into uh, containers, it's the same from the adversaries that they're doing the same, you know, same path with their exploits that we're doing with our, our you know, good software. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Are you, are you thinking too that we're gonna, you know, we've seen a lot more like typo squatting to enable some of that? I'm not sure that I've seen any more of that. I think it's uh, it's always been around. I mean, maybe I've been seeing more articles about typo squatting, homoglyph attacks, things like that. But no, I, I can't say I've seen any major changes. Have you seen anything? And I, I, I know certainly been a story this year. You know, are continuing that we're seeing those. Hmm. I also wanted to mention you were talking about the shift from um, the shift from ransomware to crypto mining, and I did read an article about that. And I can't remember if it was Kaspersky. It was another another one of the major antivirus companies um, who said they they sort of thought about why this could possibly be. And I think the main reason that they made the main point that they made is that the difficulty of cashing out, uh, mm -hmm. the difficulty of getting a person who has you know ransomware on their machine to figure out what Bitcoin is, right. find a way to buy it, and then find a way to send it to them without any sort of hiccups in the way, uh, it's just not as profitable. Well, maybe you're also seeing with the shift to the cloud and the sort of the instructions to not pay the ransom, mm -hmm. you know, maybe all my data is stored in the cloud. I'm not worried if you've got ransomware on my machine, and I'm not going to pay. You know, maybe that trend is getting there that, you know, you're getting less of a willingness of a ransomware infected machine to pay the ransom. Whereas if you're going right after the wallet, the, the cryptocurrency's there, it's ready to go. If you can steal a wallet, you know, you're, you're, like you said, you don't have to take those three initial steps. You don't have to support your user base, for lack of a better term. Right. Oh, wait, victim. That's a better term. <laughs> victim base. Victim base. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely. It's too much, too much, work, it's too much work to support them, right? Yeah. yeah. It's true. Cool. All right, it seems like we've, we've had our hit and miss predictions for the year, which, you know, I'll, I'll take my lumps on that one. <laughs> um, and it seems like we've actually identified some interesting trends that we're seeing. I wouldn't call them predictions quite yet, but at least things that we've noticed this year that are worth mentioning. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, please don't hold us to any of these because they're not predictions, yeah. they're just observations. Uh, we'll save that for the next show. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure being on the show with you guys. 
and uh, happy holidays and happy new year. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Great. Thank you. The views expressed on AT&T Threat Track are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.